Hey, this is Dusty Otis. Welcome to the Living Redefined Podcast. This is a place where we discuss modern day topics and attack them with biblical truths. The goal that we have is just to make daily decisions based on morality and integrity. I want to help you move forward in your faith, and I hope that today helps you do that. Enjoy the message. Welcome back to Church Online. My name is Dusty. Super thankful to be with you this morning, this afternoon, wherever you're joining me. This is podcasted too, so if you join me there while you're rolling, I appreciate it. Appreciate it. We're finishing up the series, The Pursuit of Purpose Day. This is the finale. Looking at the story of Joseph over the past four weeks, started in Genesis 37, and Joseph had a dream. God brought that dream to fruition, but it took 23 years for him to see that happen, and his brothers couldn't believe it when it did. And so then um, Joseph lived his God-given dream, his, his purpose, and we're talking about how we can take what he did, how can we learn from his experience and implement it in our lives. And so the foundation of this series is in Ephesians 2.10, where that essentially says God has a purpose for you. So he wants you to live on purpose, and he wants you to live for purpose, because the big idea is everybody ends up somewhere, but few people end up somewhere on purpose. That's an Andy Stanley line. I stole it 100%, but it's so true. And when we talk about purpose, you can't talk about purpose without that. The reality is 87% of people do not find it. And so, which means they spend their lives working a plan instead of fulfilling a purpose. And so today we're talking about, and finishing this series, talking about living on purpose, going in faith and trusting God to guide us, which is, which is sometimes tough because you walk by faith, not by sight, right? And if we're going to find and live with purpose, we must turn from the things that rob us of the direction toward that purpose. Turn from the things that rob us from our direction. That's kind of a, a spoiler to the close of this thing. And so what we've learned is our character is the foundation for our purpose. Weak character equals small purpose. Strong character equals big purpose. God's goal is to develop you in your character that you would become like Jesus, that you have Christ-like character so that you can live your life on purpose for purpose. So then what you need to know about developing is that we're all a work in progress. I see this every morning. I'm a work in progress. I'm a work in progress. God is always going to bless the work in progress. There's no pride in that. There's a lot more humility in saying I'm a work in progress as opposed to I know everything, right? To build character, we need to eliminate corruption. To build character, we need to eliminate corruption. God dropped it on me this week. I think it's so very important. If we're going to eliminate corruption, here's where we see that confirmed. It's 2 Peter Verses 1 through 8 says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him, who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He has given us His very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world. To build character, we need to eliminate corruption. To escape the corruption... In the world caused by evil desires, which is our mind and our flesh. For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness grow in your character and to godliness mutual affection and to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure as you grow and develop in them, They will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive. Come on, somebody, right? And so then to build character, we need to eliminate corruption. Now, why is it like this? Why is it it like what we just got promised in, in Peter, right? 
because God's purpose is greater than our intention. This is John 15, 14 through 16. This was huge for me this week. John 15, 14 through 16 says, You are my friends if you do what I command. Remember, that's a follow-up to the obedience step from last week. You're my friends if you obey. You're my friends if you obey. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's heart. Instead, I call you friends for everything that I learned from my father I have made known to you. Thank God for sending Jesus so that we could be made known everything that the father knows. Now, verse 16 is the big point. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Fruit that will last is multiplication, right? Those are seeds. There's seed in every fruit, right? So don't be seedless. So then I want to dive into the finale of the pursuit of purpose today. As we do that, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity we have to gather today, to hear, to listen, to learn, to receive. Open our hands, our ears, our hearts, our eyes to see so we would know and believe, have greater faith and be better followers, better believers as we leave here today. It's in Jesus' name, amen. Now, what do we see in Joseph's story that confirms our purpose? What can we learn from, from his walk, from the dream and the coat to being stripped down and thrown down to being pulled out and sold and to being a leader in, in so many different environments to the day that he gets to feed his family, to use into a family. What can we learn? And how do we know God's purpose for each of us individually? Right? I think we talk about this generally in church all the time. And, and we can go, oh, well, that's great, but that doesn't apply to me. How does it apply? Like if we're not taking scripture, if we're not learning from this story and applying it to our life, then, then what are we doing, right? And so in Genesis 45, this is the first time in Genesis 45, we are way down the road now, right? Starting in Genesis 37. This is the first time that Joseph is seeing his brothers. It's the first time he's seen them since they sold him as a slave. So they traveled to Egypt. And this is where Joseph is in charge. And they've traveled there because there's been a famine in the land for the last two years. And they're in great need. And so we'll pick up in verse 3. This is Genesis 45. And this is verses 3 through 8. And here's what it says. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I'm Joseph. Does my father still live? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed in his presence. And then Joseph said to his brothers, Please come near to me. So they came near. Then he said, I am Joseph, your brother. I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. But now do not be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me, if you're highlighting or underlining, you can do that. God sent me before you to preserve life. For these two years, the famine has been in land, and there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. And God sent me, he confirms it again. And God sent me before you to preserve a, a remnant, really a, a posterity for you in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. He's not saying it, but hey, this is my dream, okay? So now, it was not you who sent me. So now, for the third time, you know, it's, it's like talking to my kids. You got to say it three times before it really sinks in. So now, it was not you who sent me here, but God. But God, don't be grieved. Don't be angry. It's all good. I understand the process. 
I have a full faith. I believe right now. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh. Whoa. He's put me in charge. And the Lord of all his house and a ruler throughout the land of Egypt. Joseph, in this exact moment right here, realizes as he is speaking, he realizes God's purpose for him. Whoa. It was not you. It was God. Wow. This is really all, all shaping up. Wow. This is what I... This is the dream. You remember that dream I told you 23 years ago? He doesn't say that. It's all coming to fruition for him. Now, how do you realize God's purpose for you? I want to share four beliefs that you're going to have to have. Four beliefs you're going to have to have to see God's purpose become reality in your life. Number one, it's a different angle, but the same point. Believe that you have a purpose. We have to believe that we have a purpose. This is the number one question in everybody's heart who roams the earth, believe or unbelief. What is my purpose? What am I doing here? Why am I here? Right? And I want to give you permission today to believe. You have permission to believe that God has a purpose for you. That God is responsible in that purpose. And he is going to help you carry out that purpose. If, forward slash, when you take hold of it. Because once you begin to believe you will start to engage, right? You begin to read scripture. And if you've ever read scripture, especially on this title purpose, this is a series we'll do later in the year. You gain a quick understanding that God, regardless of your opinion of him, is a purposeful God, not a purposeless God. God did not create one thing on this earth without purpose. It's Ecclesiastes 3.1. To everything there is a season, a time, for every purpose under heaven, everything has a purpose. So what do you mean? The trees have a purpose. The oceans have a purpose. The moon has a purpose. Even the wind has a purpose. He is a purposeful God and he created you and you are full of purpose. There's great intention in your life. So now how do you discover that purpose? You discover that purpose by looking at how God made you. So he's made each of us super unique. And so you're like, yeah, I heard that before. And everybody's thumbprint, numbers of the hairs on my head. And I, and I get all that. So then how do I figure out how he made me? How he made me, right? And so if you were to go to the tire stores, the tire store across the shop, and you buy a tire and you bring it home, you wouldn't go, huh, I wonder if this is uh, an agility, something to do agility so I can hop in and out of it. Um, maybe this tire is uh, a bullseye so we can play uh, darts. Tires have been used for all kinds of things. But if I told you I bought a tire or I had a tire or I showed you a tire, you know exactly what that tire was made for, right? And, and maybe you could even use it as a hula hoop, right? Tires, whatever. And so... Now that you know what it is, as soon as I pull the tire out, as soon as I show you the tire, you know what it is and you know what its purpose is, right? And so the point of it is, when you look at it, you can tell and see that the designer had a purpose when he designed the tire. So he knows. Now get this, God the designer had a specific purpose in mind when he designed you. You're greater, you mean more than a tire, by the way. But to give you an analogy, that's it. Tire, right? 
not knowing that you're a spirit. So now, sorry, now, knowing that you are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body, how do you look in spirit? Not in the physical realm. How do you look in spirit? Have you ever asked yourself that question? How do I look in spirit? Am I 10 feet tall? Am I two feet tall? Am I weak? Am I strong? Am I immature? Am I mature? Have I developed into the spiritual being that God created me to be? Who, who, who did God make you to be? Not what. I was talking to a pastor early this week, and I said, here's the deal. Here's the deal. You have to go back, and you can't focus on all of the ifs and buts and whats and cans and fors. Here's the thing. God is not concerned with what you do. He's concerned with who you are. And if you will go in who you are, he will bless and make room for what you do, right? And so then, who did God make you to be? Not what did God create you to do? Believe you have a purpose. Understand how God made you. Who are you? How do you look spiritually? Second point is this. Believe that God is in control. You have to believe. The second, the second belief you have to have is to believe that God is in control. For you to fulfill your purpose, you're going to have to believe that God is in control, period. Because you're going to deal with disappointments. You're going to deal with setbacks. You're going to deal with failures. You're going to deal with regrets. You're going to deal with all kinds of just, ugh. You're going to deal with people. Ugh. You're going to deal with people. And people are going to be people. They're going to talk rumors. They're going to bash you on your social media accounts. They're going to say bad things about you behind your back. They're going to lie to your face. They're going to turn their back on you. They're going to walk away. You know how many people have had to turn their back on me? That doesn't affect me. Does that affect my purpose? No. In all of it, in all of it, I have to believe that God's purpose for my life is greater than my intention, is greater than their opinion. And that he is in control. He's in control. Think about where Joseph's belief was. We go back and visit Genesis 45, verse 5. He tells his brothers, do not grieve or be angry with yourselves because you sold me here. Hey, it's not your fault, right? It's not your fault. For God sent me before you to preserve life. It's not you. It's God. Because I wouldn't have came here willingly. And it had to be this way. If, you, if you're a Point Break fan, it's got to be that way, Bodie. It's got to be this way. It had to be this way. In verse 7, he says, God sent me before you to preserve posterity for you in the earth and to save your lives by great deliverance. Oh my goodness, the dream, right? So now it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh. He has put me in charge. I rule throughout the land of Egypt. It wasn't you. It wasn't you. It was him. He's being so super nice to his brothers here, right? These are the guys who sold him to be a slave. By the way, he could have welled back up with pride in that moment and said, I told you so. I told all you guys, I told you so. But he doesn't. He doesn't. Why didn't he? Why? He developed. There was a stronger conviction and a belief in his heart, in his spirit. In his spirit, he knew it wasn't you. It was God. To a point, he almost says, thanks, right? Why? Through it all, through all of it, from the moment he got out of that well and sold to this point, he believed and he says, God's in control. Wow. 
God orchestrated this whole thing, right? And so the reality in this entire series, the pursuit of purpose, your pursuit of purpose is no one can derail you from your purpose, but you, but you, if you would just stay true to who you are, to who you are. So today stop believing that you cannot walk in purpose because of what somebody else said or what somebody else did. Stop believing that you can't fulfill your purpose because of something that you did. What you did does not limit God, period. He is purposeful. Nothing goes to waste with him. Nothing goes to waste with him. He is purposeful. And as long as you have breath in your lungs, you have purpose to him and in this place. It's confirmed in Romans 8, 28. It says, we know, we know all things work together for the good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. God takes everything. So God has a purpose for your life. Even when things go wrong, you experience a setback. You feel like a failure. Somebody said that you're a dirtbag, right? Somebody said you'll never amount to that. You'll never do that. God is working for your good all the time. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? So you know the difference between an optimist and a, pe and a pessimist? Here it is. We talked about this in Certain Hope right before Christmas. Actually, it was a Christmas message. The optimist believes that God is in control. Why? There's hope. There's faith. There's a belief, right? The pessimist is always looking, always looking at the bad and expecting the worst, right? You know how to identify a pessimist? They're the ones who are constantly avoiding positive people year round. Those are, the, those are them. <laughs> and just because your blood type might be B negative doesn't mean you have to be a pessimist. There you go. It's a good dad joke for you. B negative doesn't mean you have to be a pessimist. Okay. So to live on purpose, you must believe that God has a purpose for you and you must believe that God is in control. Now, the third thing you must believe if you're going to live on purpose is you have a gift. Believe that you have a gift. If you're going to live on purpose, you must identify that gift because God has given it to you. And he's given it to you so that you can fulfill your purpose. Your gift goes along with your purpose. Character, gift equals purpose, right? And so let's look at Romans real quickly. This is chapter 12. And this is a list of motivational gifts in the Bible. These are natural. These are the way that you look at life and you have one of them. I'm 100% on this, okay? Here's what it says. For as we have many members in one body, this is, this is a group of believers, this is the church, this is the body, in one body, believers. But all the members do not have the same function. So we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. I'm going to share some churchy words here, but we're going to break them down. This is verse six and a half. Let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Weak, big. Or ministry, you can underline ministry, prophecy underline, ministry underline. Let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches, teaching. He who exhorts, exhortation. He who gives with liberty and he who leads with diligence and he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. There are seven, if you're taking notes, there are seven gifts. Now, because those are churchy words, let's break them down just a little bit. Number one, if we're talking about prophecy, this is the motivator, right? 
casting future or, or reading tarot cards or, or crystal balls. No, no, no. This is the motivator. The person with the gift of prophecy loves to motivate people to serve, to get back on track, to do for God, right? The example is, hey, uh, listen, if, if, you would, if you would stop doing that, I can tell you something, man. God is going to bless your socks off if you will come over here. Here's why, right? The servant, okay, if we're talking about ministry, verse 7, ministry is really a servant. This is the person who desires to meet the needs of people on a practical basis, right? Oh, you need that? I know somebody for that, right? Let me, hey, I'm going to put you in a group text with this guy and, and you guys work it out. Help the guy this week. Hey, you know anybody who does paperwork? Sure do. Hey, you do paperwork? Yeah, I'm going to send you, put you in a group text. That's the servant, right? Servant. Teacher, pretty practical. Teacher. A teacher desires to study and present truth to people, right? Not theory. Not agenda. A teacher presents truth, right? Studies and presents truth, right? Now, check all your teachers that you follow. <laughs> Four. Four, exhortation. It's probably one of my favorite words and probably needs to be talked about more. This is, this is encouragement. This is having the gift of encouragement. They desire to encourage people, right? Hey, man, how you doing? You look good today. How's that going? Oh, that's awesome, man. I'm so happy for you. Good for you. Encourager. The giver, he who gives. This is, still, this is verse 8. The giver desires to meet the needs of people financially, Practically, where are you? How can I, how can I give toward this, right? The leader, this is the desire to lead, this is the desire to lead people, to lead through organization, not to lead a organization, to lead through organization. Let me, hey, let me get all the, let me get all the right pieces here. Let me get all the people in the right seats so we can go, okay? i lead through organization. This is me. I love that. I love that. A couple things I do here and, uh, and that's it. So, the leader is also the administrator. There's an administrative gift in leadership, right? And then number seven, mercy. This is the empathizer, right? I desire to identify and empathize with people. I'm going to come down and I'm going to have a me too moment. That's really the gift of mercy. So notice these seven gifts are all about people. They're not about things, right? No matter your gifting, no matter which one of these seven or which four of these seven you have, it is to help people. It's to help people because God's treasure is people. Okay? So here's how they work. In a gathering, in a gathering, the gifts are all kind of just neutral and hanging out until a need is represented or a person's name is said. Okay? So as soon as, as, soon as a need is brought up or a person is mentioned, that's when the gifts go into action. So the leader is the person who obviously organized this gathering. Right? And as soon as the need or the person is brought up, everybody reacts in their gifting. It's natural. You do it. Here's, here's how it goes. So the leader put this thing together. The encourager is the first one to pick up his phone or her phone and send a text. Hey, man, I'm praying for you. Everything's going to be all right. We got your back. I got your back. The giver starts collecting money. Hey, we should start a GoFundMe. I'm going to give the first hundred. Are y'all with me? Hey, if you'll do this, we'll put this all in a gift card and we'll present it. The servant has already left the meeting and they're already at the grocery store buying groceries and, and, and essentially figuring out what's needed. And they're, they're already out there doing it, right? The empathizer, 
the empathizer, has already called twice to share that Me Too story to say, hey man, I've been, I've been where you are. And I get it. And I feel it. And I feel it. And I feel it. Are you okay? Are you okay? And the motivator is already at the person's house. Okay? Hey, God in you is greater than anything on the face of this earth. You got this. You are an overcomer. God says you are victorious. Says he made your way straight. Right? That's the motivator. And the person with the gift of mercy is just kind of over in the corner crying, like just heartbroken, right? That's how all of these gifts play out, right? Now, how this relates to Joseph is his gift was leadership. I know that we've just barely touched on his story over the past four weeks. That's why I encourage you to read it every week. There's so much good in Joseph's story that applies to you, right? And so Joseph get, Joseph's gift of leadership worked wherever he was. He didn't have to be in a place of authority to use his gift. He just did. He just did, right? Has a positive track or end on a 62 Nova work? It just does, right? That's a Joe Dirt reference. You're welcome. And so then he just did. He led at Potiphar's house. He made number two there, second charge. He led in prison. He was a chief administrator in prison. His gift made room for him. Then to Pharaoh's, he was the man in charge, right? Too many people are waiting until they get their position to use their gift. I know, I know that I have that. I know I can do that. I know that's in me, but I'm going to wait until I get this promotion. I'm going to wait till I get that raise. I'm going to wait till I get this position and then I'll use it. No, that's backwards. You got to take that, flip that, flip it. The reality is the way you get the position is to lead with your gift. The way you get the position is to lead with your gift. Don't hide it. Don't hide your gift. Start wherever you are now in your gift, and that's what's going to open the door for you to climb the proverbial ladder. I want to give you an example of what going in your gift looks like. This is one of the greatest leaders our country's ever had. His picture hangs in my office. There was a book written on him. It's the number one book of leadership. I'm not going to share it with you because then you know all my secrets. Okay? But here's what this person did. At the age of 24, he lost his job. In the same year, he was defeated for state legislature. One year later, he failed in business. Two years later, he lost his wife. She died. One year after that, he had a nervous breakdown. Two years after that, when he was 30, he was defeated for speaker. Five years after that, after continually grinding, five more years, he was defeated for nomination for Congress. Three years after that, he got a little win. He was elected to Congress. <laughs> Didn't stop there, though. In two years after that, when he was 40, he lost renomination. One year after that, he was 41. He was rejected for land officer. Think about that. You go from Congress to not even making land officer. Five years later, he was defeated for the U.S. Senate. Two years later, at 48 years old, he was defeated for nomination of vice president. At 50, two years later, at 50, again, he was defeated for U.S. Senate. And two years later, in 1860, he was elected president of the United States. In the span of 28 years, Abraham Lincoln never allowed one setback 
or one failure to keep him from his purpose or to keep him from operating in his gifting. He knew that he had the gift of leadership. He knew that. I don't need anybody else's confirmation of that. He knew it. He didn't need their yes or their no. That, that doesn't matter, right? Opinion of man's going to let you down every time. But, he, but because he knew that, he kept going. And because he kept going, God put him in the right place, just like Joseph, in the right place at the right time to lead our country through the only civil war. And he was the man who righted the worst and the biggest wrong our country ever did because he was willing to keep going. And for everyone here with me online, I know that you've had setbacks. I know that you've had failures. I know there's been difficulties. I know there's times we just feel like, well, I'm going to say one, me too, okay? But keep being faithful and going in your gift because that opens the door. Keep being faithful and keep going in your gift because that opens the door. Countless times through Joseph's story, we see that his gift is what opens the door for what God has next to him. Even though he was going from slave to prison to Pharaoh, he's still progressing. His gift makes room for him. The obedience to stay in his gift is what helped him develop his trust in God. Man, that's a great add-on to last week. Which is why he could tell his brothers repeatedly, don't grieve, don't be upset. Hey, it's all good. It's all good. It's not your fault. God sent me here. God sent me here. And I'm here to save your life. God sent me here to save your life. Don't be upset with yourself. It's all good. This leads to the fourth point. The fourth belief that we need to have is believe that you have direction. This is the hardest thing because we walk by faith, not by sight. Well, every time somebody says direction, we believe, well, that has to be like what I can see. No, direction, direction is not necessarily a sight, okay? And direction definitely isn't the couch. <laughs> so the gift you have is the direction to move in. The gift you have is the direction to move in. When something happens and you want to naturally react to that, go in that, go in that. Be faithful in that. That is your direction. So before direction, what a lot of people want to know is, what are the specifics of my purpose? If you could just tell me what's going to be way down there, that'd be great. And if you'll tell me, then I'll start working that way. And the reality is, you're never going to know the specifics of your purpose until you do them. Until you do them. Same thing that happens to Joseph. The truth and the hard part is what limits people from trusting their direction is wanting to know the specifics, Right? And the reality is, is if you knew them, you wouldn't do them. You wouldn't. Remember, no one can derail you from your purpose but you. But we want it, and we want it now. Remember that brat off of Willy Wonka? But I want it, and I want it now. Of course you do. Who doesn't? We fast pass everything in Western culture, in America. You have a fast pass for everything. You can do everything right here, right now. Everything, all the time, all the time. It's okay to want it. It's more important to trust it, to trust it. The gift you have is the direction that you need to move in. God is purposeful. 
He leads you with great intention, which means he doesn't lead you in leaps. He leads in steps, one foot after the other. That is the direction you go. You go in your gifting and it makes room for you. It opens doors for you ahead. There's a reason that Jesus walked everywhere he went. That's the best example he can give us. It's always one step at a time. Psalms 119 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your word, remember, hearing, faith comes by hearing. Your word is a lamp to my feet. It confirms my direction. It confirms my gifting. It helps me step into my purpose. Psalm 119 doesn't say, Your word is a spotlight that allows me to see for miles. It says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and it lights my path. The light that these cats were carrying, these disciples were carrying, was about like this. And if you've ever carried a candle like this, you only have enough light for really one step, maybe two. And when you take one step, it lights up in front of you and the next. That's how God designed it. We're not called to move in leaps, we're called to move in steps. We're called to be faithful with the step we're taking and to take the next step, not to know the specifics. Abraham didn't know the specifics. Joseph didn't know the specifics. Anybody from the Bible, like there's so many names in my head. Anybody, nobody knew the specifics. What'd they know? Trust God. I trust God. Truth is if we knew the specifics, we'd mess them up. It's not just that we wouldn't go, we'd mess them up. And so Joseph didn't get the specifics, but he was faithful where he was with the gift that he had. So be faithful where you are, and one day you're gonna turn around, you're gonna have great influence. You're gonna go, wow, wow, look what the Lord has done, right? I'm gonna close with this. When Joseph, when Joseph finally believed, he understood it was God's purpose for him to be where he was when he was. Wow, this all makes sense. I'm gonna give you one last story. This is a page taken out of John Wesley's journal. He's one of the most influential men in faith, period. Denomination or non-denomination, it doesn't matter. People who follow Jesus look to him. Here is one page taken out of his journal. Sunday morning, May 5th, I preached in St. Anne's. I was asked not to come back anymore. Sunday evening, May 5th, I preached at St. John's. The deacon said, get out and stay out next Sunday. Sunday, May 12th, I preached at St. Jude's. Can't go back there either. Man, I can't even imagine the discouragement. That Sunday night, May 12th, preached at St. George's, kicked out again. The next Sunday, May 19th, preached at St. Somebody Else's. Deacons called a special meeting and said I could not return. This is one of the most influential men in faith. That Sunday night, I preached on the street. I got kicked off the street. The next Sunday, Sunday morning, May 26th, I preached in a meadow. I was chased out of a meadow as a bull was turned loose during the service. The next Sunday, he took the afternoon off that day, by the way. (laughs) The next Sunday, June 2nd, I preached out on the edge of town and got kicked off the highway. And that Sunday night, June 2nd, afternoon service, preached in a pasture. 10,000 people came to hear the word of Christ. Persistence, trusting the gift, trusting the gift. It's a teacher. 
trusting his gift. He could have quit. Tell you what, that, that day he took the afternoon off, that's probably the day I would have hung it up, period. Like if, if I even made it that long, right? <laughs> Chase Avamedo, bull was turned loose during the service. Tell you what, Lord, I'm going to take this evening to really rethink this gifting you've given me. <laughs> Is it real? Should I trust it? So many pastors in America, so many big name pastors right now have the same story. You just don't know it because everything is not a highlight reel. It's not an Instagram feed or a Facebook story. If you saw everybody's losses, they wouldn't have as many likes. But everybody's felt this. Everybody's felt like the example of Abraham Lincoln. Everybody's felt the example of John Wesley. And and 80% of people quit and they walk away. And they walk away. Don't. Don't. What are you going to do? Recap. Believe you have a purpose. Believe God is in control. Believe that you have a gift. And believe in your direction. That gift is the direction that you should go. God has a specific purpose for your life. Find your gift. Be faithful. Forget the setbacks. And simply walk in your gifting. And you will find yourself living on purpose. You'll be living in the pursuit. Father, I love you. Thanks so much for the opportunity, Lord, to share about purpose today. Thank you, Lord, for taking this word and multiplying it for people. Thank you, Lord, that we're going to be better today, that we're going to trust you more today, that we're going to move forward with you today. I love you. I thank you for an amazing time together today. Thank you for everybody who's joined me online and through this podcast. You're an amazing God, and I'm grateful. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you're here and uh, this message spoke to you, I would ask you to send it along. Send it to somebody who needs to hear it. You know that person. Your relational equity is the greatest thing that you can use outside of your time. And so thanks for sending the message along. If you're here and you've not subscribed or liked, check us out on the web, any of those things, I would greatly appreciate you do that. Leave a review. That's always helpful. And again, that's your relational equity, which means more than anything right now. Here are your action steps for today. Identify your gifts. Identify your gifts. Those seven motivational gifts we discussed, you have one, two, maybe you have all seven. I don't know. God is a purposeful God. Believe that God gave them to you. That means there are no questions. People always come to me and say, hey, well, I read this and I have lots of questions. That's great. Take those to the Lord, right? I don't need you to question and God doesn't need you to question. He needs you to trust. When I share scripture, that's probably one of the things I assume the most is I just believe that everybody believes what, I'm, what, I'm, what I believe. And that's not true. But it's not our place to question. It's our place to trust because God is a God of purpose. He's a God of intention. The third thing is walk in them. Walk. Go in them. Go with what you have. Use the gift you have. Go one step at a time. That is the process, right? That is your direction. And number four, trust the process. It's a journey. It's a journey. Not a sprint. It's a marathon. It's a long marathon. You've got a lot left in you. Don't care how old you are, where you're from, what happened. You have a lot left in you. It's a journey. Do not forget to walk the journey. Ups, downs, highs, lows, setbacks. There's there's this meme that I share with a couple of pastor friends all the time. Through the ups and the downs, you guys are having ups? Yeah. Yeah, you are. You're always going to have an up as long as you go with God. So if you partner with us financially, thank you so much. It means more than you know, more than you know, to help us continue to reach people, to reach the lost. And so next week, we're going to talk about a new series we're going to open up. It's called FaceTime. Every great relationship needs solid FaceTime. So do not miss the start of that message as we jump into it next week. Now, 
I pray the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, would give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation, the knowledge of Him. I pray the perception of your mind would be enlightened so that you know His hope, His calling, and His purpose are for you and the great things He has in store for you. Go have a great week. See ya. Thank you so much for joining me today. A huge thanks to those of you who support our ministry. You make what we get to do in Michigan, Oklahoma, Texas, and Colorado possible with those weekly outreaches to our hospital heroes and public service men and women. It's a big deal to get to do that and to support the people who are caring for our communities. And so go ahead and click the link in the description to become a partner, or you can visit livefreedefined.com and click the giving link. If you enjoyed the podcast, please take a minute to like and subscribe or share it with a friend. Thanks again for being here today. God bless you.